Hello, everybody. Welcome to the podcast. Mark Joseph Bennett. Mark Joseph Bennett in the back of his recording studio. The Volvo XC60 is pristine no longer. It's been dented. By whom? What son of a bitch dented your recording studio, Mark? What happened? You say. Well, I'll tell you who the son of a bitch is. It's me. Dented my own goddamn car. It's a lease. Luckily, luckily, it's the worst possible scenario where I have an expensive car that is on a two-year lease. Honest to Christ. Why? Why did I dent it? Because I was looking for houses. Let me tell you something. Let me tell you something about house hunting. You know it's going to be stressful. It's going to be stressful. So stressful that you can't even pronounce it. You know it's going to be stressful. But what you don't expect is for it to dent your own goddamn car. It's just... See, here's the thing. All these car companies putting out their SUVs and their crossovers so that you can fit your dry... your your What's wrong with me? Am I drunk? Your giant strollers in. I am a little drunk. I think I am, actually, because I had half a beer at dinner. And, um... I'm becoming less and less tolerant to beer. I got to say, it's very weird. I'm getting the same feeling when I drink a beer that when I have a very buttery meal. If I have like a a food that that has way too much butter in it, like say something from France, those fuckers use butter in everything. Then um, you get that like queasy, you know, like... like you're on the brink of vomiting feeling. I get that now with beer. I don't know what's happened. But I can't lose beer, guys. It's all I have. Besides the loving family, of course. So, because of the loving family, trying to get a goddamn new house. Those of you who are new to the podcast, um, we, we got, we're expecting a second child. And we live in a two-bedroom apartment, and we need out. And it's, this has been the bane of my existence. So we were just about to fuck it and, and go rent again. But we were going to rent a, uh, a semi-detached house. So it has a laneway. where you So you park your car behind the house. You drive down a laneway. That, that's very frequent in Toronto. But like I was just about to say to you, they make cars so goddamn big now that even though this is technically not a giant car. It's like a, I don't know what you'd call it, a mid-size SUV? I don't, I don't know. Couldn't get it down the laneway. I got it down there with literally two centimeters to spare. So I felt like a, a demigod for a second. It's like, look at me. I had literally an inch of room, not on either side, combined, half an inch on either side of the goddamn uh, rear view mirrors. And you say, well, Mac, why don't you just turn the rear view mirrors in? The rear view mirrors are like, they even when you turn them in, the back of the car sticks out enough. So you might as well leave the rear view mirrors out because you know if you can't get those through the alleyway, you're definitely not getting the ass of this beast in there. You know? It's like a hot Latina lady. Got some, got some junk in the trunk. So anyway. Driving my hot Latina lady down the alleyway, get it through. I'm like, not bad. And then I think to myself, just 
Self, just turn it around. Turn around the car in the because there's a little bit of space there in the back. You just flip the car around and then drive out front ways because you don't want to back out because this, this looks precarious. So I start turning the car around and um, it was like Mike Myers in that in Austin Powers where you just all I was horizontal and I couldn't get any further. So I had to back up in a way that basically put the passenger door uh, up against the patio railing, this wooden railing. And I fucking dented the car in two places. And the level of rage, you know, it, it, let's let's keep it in context. You know, it, it in a white, cisgendered, privileged male in 2018... Where life is always just handed to me. I get it, guys. Everything is so sweet in my life. But in that context, that's about as mad as I could get. You know? Like, I, I'm, not, I'm not in some kind of Iraqi prison. You know, unjustly accused of smuggling pot. You know, I, I'm just in my regular, everyday, uh, just plain existence. That is so, I was so angry. I was so angry, I immediately started to get sick. Like, I could feel my throat getting sore. Because when I get really mad, I, I pick up a cold. And I had to calm down, because I had, I had a gig in Sudbury the next night. That's right, gorgeous, majestic Sudbury. Don't be jealous. I will thank the people of Sudbury for having me. Supporting their hockey team, the Sudbury lunatics, or whatever the fuck they're called. Thanks for having me out there. There was some Wendell Clark paraphernalia signed by Wendell at the auction. Oh, I was going to talk about that on stage. I forgot. Anyway, thanks for having me at the Caruso Club over in Sudbury. Second time I've played that venue. Bit of an odd venue, i got to say. A lot of tables, really high ceilings. Not the best for comedy. Listen, you're out there, you're trying to, you're trying to book a comedy show, and you want it to go as as good as possible what you want is low ceilings all right now sure at a theater they have high ceilings say hey, what about when you know when dane cook or or russell peters plays a theater they're they're big high ceilings yeah but those are designed for sound all right the engineers have painstakingly made those things acoustically wonderful for piano performances and for us telling our shit jokes, which is just as important as classical music. So uh, you got to take that out of the equation. So what you want to do when you're in towns, small towns that don't have fancy auditorium set up, you know, don't don't get those sprawling conference rooms that have like those round tables and the high ceilings. It's just it just is not as good. You don't get the laughter bouncing off the walls and off the ceiling. It's just, so the show was great. It was great. Man, oh man, that half a beer. Am I right? The show was, <laughs> Tony the Tiger, great. But uh, I felt like we could have had like a burn burner. You know what I mean? Like, let's rip the roof off this fucker. That type of thing. Anyway. Had to stay in a decent mood because I had to go to Subway. But I tell you what, we we threw out the idea of the rental. You know what are you gonna do? 
scrape your car every fucking day of your life? No. So we, if I can't get the car into the parking spot, then I'm, I said, that's it. That's a sign. Me and the wife, we've been big on this lately. What are the signs? Well, listen, if we're going to buy a house, we'll get a sign. And I was like, well, there's the sign right there. We can't buy a house. We have to buy a house because we can't rent because the one rental we liked can't get the car into it. And so my wife said, okay, I'm going to take my money out of the stock market, you know, because she she has investments because she's an adult. And uh, she was like, I'm going to take out the rest of my money. She had already taken out enough for like a a deposit on a house, but she was going to take out the rest for the down payment, you know. And uh, as my father says, he's a, it's, what is he? Some kind of, not investment banker. He's a financial advisor. Yeah. He says, if you're gonna, if you're gonna have um, the idea of buying a house for the next five years even, you should set aside the money you need, put it in a high interest savings account. Try to get about 3% because that way it'll at least keep up with inflation. Pretty good. You know, and that way you don't want to have to take out the money when, when, when shit hits the fan in the stock market for some reason. Like Trump sneezes on a Chinese man or something and look out, the stock market's off the rails. And so Sarah says she's going to take out the rest of her money now that we've decided not to get this rental because I've dented my fucking car. And um, she writes her banker. She's like, hey, buddy boy. Dear banker, clean out the accounts. I, you know, I imagine some like, you know, like 1960s movie. Clean out the accounts. See, sell, sell. And uh, he said, all right, I'll process the paperwork. And that was on uh, Wednesday. Now, what is the date? It's the 15th of uh, October right now in 2018. So Wednesday was... I don't know, some other date. But they were calling it, what was it? Black Wednesday? So the stock market had like an over a 3% dip in one day. Basically, and then the next day another 2%. It almost had a full correction in terms of mathematics in two days. The, the day Sarah tried to take her money out, the entire world collapsed. And then we're thinking, well, that's a sign right there. Now we're not supposed to buy a house. We're supposed to rent houses and dent our cars. Oh, and I totally forgot to tell you guys, uh, a friend of mine who listens to the podcast, she wrote and she was like, hey, what about that house you were going to put an offer in on? Because I said I was going to put an offer in a couple of weeks ago on the podcast. And uh, we didn't. We ended up not putting an offer on the on the house. And uh, the reason being is that it had this lovely park behind it, which it seemed like it was going to be great. Basketball court with nets. I can't tell you what the difference between a netted basketball court and just one of those silver rims. It's just, it's night and day. And my wife's like, what's the big deal? It's just a bit of mesh, right? You don't get it. First of all, if you're at a weird angle or you're far enough away, you don't even know if the ball went in the net or or it was an air ball if there's no net to see, bulge. And then, more importantly, the whole reason that the net exists is that it's a net. It catches the ball and then funnels it out through the bottom 
and it lands where you would expect it to. When you don't have a net and you throw it through the hoop, it just bounces far away. So every time you shoot at the basket, even if you get it in, you have to chase the ball down the fucking street. So the net is essential. Plus, it gives you that satisfying feeling. You sink, you, you swish a ball. Oh, my God, that, that sound. Oh, playing basketball is the best. So it had one of those courts with nets. It had a playground for kids. It had little hills that would have been perfect for the snow. But here's the thing. It had high-voltage power lines running through it. And we, we sort of ignored that at the time. Because we're like, hey, what are you going to do, man? You're living in a big city. There's going to be power lines everywhere. Sure, these are ugly, giant metal power lines that have like a crisscrossy shape that looks super easy for a kid to climb. And a kid was climbing it. The day we were there, there was a kid literally climbing one of those. And someone yelled, get off that. You'll get electrocuted. And uh, we still ignored it. All right? Even though, see... In my, in my mind, I was thinking, what if Sam or the other kid is a climber? Like I was when I was a kid. I would have liked, in fact, I wanted to climb it when I saw it. I was thinking, that, that looks easy to climb. I, I should do that. And, and I'm a 40-year-old man. Imagine a 40-year-old child. They're going to want to get up there. So that's what I was worried about. But there's, a, there's, there's something else. In case you guys don't know, I, let me tell you something. There's some controversy about this, all right? All right, uh, I, I'm not going to say I know definitively. See, normally I'm with the scientists. I go with the science. But this particular issue, the scientists are a little bit split. So um, they say the high-voltage power lines can cause, not can cause, but there's a correlation, not necessarily a causation, but there are higher incidents of childhood leukemia, not regular leukemia or anything, but specifically childhood leukemia, there are incidents, higher incidents of those around high-voltage power lines. Now, a big study came out in Britain about that, and uh, a bunch of people started screaming, you're an idiot, that's not true, and then they had a bunch of studies to show that that's not necessarily true, and, and they give, give different reasons for that. That, oh, well, the population that's around those high-voltage power lines is a certain ethnicity or, or a certain economic group or whatever. But the bottom line is, if you live around power lines, if you live closer to power lines, high-voltage ones, not the regular ones that you see on the street, but those big honking gray ones with the several cones on top, those are the ones that are all metal. They, apparently, there's a higher rate. Now, like I said, the community, the science community is split a little bit because some people are saying it's not statistically significant when you take in certain factors, and other people say it definitely is. And But I have one two-year-old and one not-even-born-yet-year-old. I think I am not going to take the chance on that. That's That's what I think. So what happened was Sarah was showing the pictures of the house to a coworker, and her coworker was like, "Yeah, but uh, what's the deal with the giant, you know, high voltage power line right there in your backyard? It's in your backyard." And um, first of all, it's ugly. And then we also found out 
resale value around high voltage power lines is is really bad. You know, in this market, in the Toronto fucking crazy ass bubble market, there's nowhere that's a bad place to sell a house. You'll always get a six billion dollars over asking no matter where you sell because this is called a hot market. But when the markets are cool in a few years, when it's cooled down and people have the choice of where they want to buy without being desperate and trying to grab at whatever they can get before it reaches, gets out of their reach and goes to the stratosphere with prices, then these people, they're not going to choose your shitty high voltage power line looking because A, it's an eyesore and B, a lot of people don't like that amount of, uh, what is it, the EM, EMFs? coming out of here oh they're unbelievable those emfs am i right guys anybody listening 90s music so we decided that uh we could ignore this issue no longer and we did not put in an offer and uh, the fact is we would lost it anyway because they somebody bid like nine hundred thousand for the house for a townhouse listen I don't know. If you're in Canada, you, you understand what I'm talking about when I say $900,000 for a townhouse next to a brain cancer-causing item. And, like, there were several bids. I'd like some leukemia. Can I give you $900,000 for a townhouse that gives me leukemia? Thank you so much, sir. So, I don't know. Maybe those people didn't have kids. Maybe they're unaware of the correlation. Or maybe they uh, don't have kids. And if they don't, you know, have at it. You're not going to get your brain cancer because your brain is fully developed. That's the thing, man. All bets are off with brains that aren't developed. Like babies and, like, the type of fat they need and the, the type of protein they need. Like, you can't fuck around, you know? And it's, it's the same thing with the pot. God knows. You know, I'm an open-minded fellow. I don't mind people drinking the booze, smoking the reefer. I don't mind it. I think I think those people are generally better people than people who abstain from everything. Those people are usually crazy religious prudes. That's what I say with my blanket statements. But I will say that apparently our uh, our our model. Prime Minister, our pretty boy Floyd Prime Minister, old JT, he, uh, he's, he's mad at Quebec because Quebec is saying they want the, the age to be able to buy pot at 21, and he thinks, and, and old JT thinks it should be 18. And he's fucking wrong about that. That's the deal on that. Like he's saying, oh, it's going to hurt the, it's going to increase the black market. Yeah. Uh, because 18-year-old kids never buy booze off their friends. Come on, Justin. You're doing it. You're doing it. Try to get money, tax money. And the thing is, like I said, I don't give a shit. Smoke your weed. Some of my best friends are weed smokers. I don't do it because it just it doesn't affect me. I I wanted it to affect me. I just I I smoked a few joints and it basically made my tongue kind of numb, and that was it. I find if I was if I found if I was drinking that it would increase my my buzz a little bit from my, my booze. But that was about it. 
I really didn't. I really didn't get a high. I tried. I really tried. I couldn't do it. I probably should have tried the edibles. I think the edibles would have worked with me. But um, anyway, I saved some money that way. You know, pot's expensive. So anyway, the uh, eighteen years old is too young. Justin is too young. You you should know better. Just ask David Suzuki. Give him a give him a ring ding. I'm sure you got him on speed dial. An, a brain, your the the kids, their brain is not fully developed until the age of I don't know what it is. I I think it's at least 21. It's at least 21. That's why some people advocate uh, driver's licenses shouldn't be given out until people are 21 because when in a panicked situation, a person who is under 21 years old, their brain. That part of their brain is still not fully for- formed, the one that can handle that level of anxiety and stress. That's why, you know, like the kids, the, the, things are so hard on them in high school and shit. You know, that, that part of your brain hardens up or, I don't know, shrivels up and dies off or something where you care less about emotions when you're 21. I don't know the science, but I do know that your brain is not fully developed at 18 years old. And seeing how there's a large, there's a link, and a, a scientifically, this is a very scientific podcast. I'm going to call this the science podcast. There's a scientific link showing that uh, people who are susceptible to schizophrenia and they smoke pot too early in their brain's development, they can bring on the schizophrenia, among other issues. So, all I'm saying. You're, 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 hey, you're a man, a woman, an other in your 20s. You feel like relaxing, listening to some Pink Floyd. You know, sit down and smoke your dubs. But don't have, teenagers, man, just, uh, I don't think twice. Don't listen to Justin Trudeau. And like I said, I don't know who, I, I don't hate. Justin Trudeau. I'm not one of these uh, conservative types. Um, I just don't know. I tell you, I'm pretty, I find myself down the center these days of pretty much everything in in, in a cynical sense. I don't think, I, I think that a lot of times on the, on the right-wing politics, these people, they're shrewd and they are, sometimes are very smart, but they just don't give a flying fuck about you. And I don't like that. Then on the left, there's some people who are smart, um, but they're idealists, and the shit that they want to do can't get done. And then there's a bunch of people who are just fucking idiots. And, uh, yeah, I'm not saying old JT is that. I'm just saying I'm not, I don't know. I don't know how bright he is. And he was groomed. He was his, his dad's boy. It's just stuff like this. Like saying that the black market is going to increase for, for marijuana. You No, dude. Quebec is using their brains. They're saying, hey, we've read the studies, and we don't think that the kids should be smoking pot because it can fuck up their brains. Let, it, let them get developed and then smoke all they want. Okay, Mr. Justin. Let them smoke when their brains are fully hardened. Right? I agree with those goddamn Quebecers. Any hoozles. Where was I? 
What was I talking about? <laughs> Seriously, how did I, how did I get on this fucking topic? Oh, guys, isn't this fun? In the back of my dented studio, sweating my guts out because I won't turn on the car because it takes premium gas. Oh, this car was a terrible decision, but a lovely ride. I tell you what, it's like driving on a cloud. A dented cloud. I can't get it out of my head. My son, he always likes to ride in the car. Uh, well, he hates riding in the car. He, li- he likes to sit in the driver's seat and fool around the steering wheel. So he always asks to go to the big black SUV. That's what he calls it. The big black SUV. So now I've uh, taught him to say the dented big black, big black SUV. I just, I can't let it go. I'm like that. But that's it. I'm skeptical. I've always been skeptical, but now it's just a mountain of evidence that you should always be skeptical. People are either up to people either know what they're doing and they're up to no good, or they or they don't know what they're doing. That that's about the size of the human population. Once in a while, you get somebody who is not up to no good and knows what they're doing, but they get corrupted by the system. Absolute power corrupts. Absolutely. You know it, guys. I think I was Martin Luther Gandhi said that. I tell you, I don't trust the real estate agents either. I don't trust them one goddamn bit. And, uh, you know, you just, they do these fucking, so the, now we, we're looking at a place right now. This is the closest we've been. We were going to put in a bully offer, in case you don't know what that is. It's, uh, so the realtors, they do this huge dick move where they price a house way lower than it should. So if they think it's going to sell for a million bucks, you know, because, yeah, that's right, a million. And I mean that. And that's not an expensive detached home in Toronto. That it's on the lower end of the detached homes in Toronto is a million dollars. Because it's, anyway, let's calm down. Let's calm down. Yes, we've dented our car. All right, but we got to calm down. Now, They'll price it for like $730,000, a house that they want a million dollars for. I'm not kidding. And then everyone in Toronto shows up going, a home for $730,000? How could this be? That's the world I'm living in right now, where if something is priced to $730,000, everyone freaks out because they're like, well, it's something I could possibly afford? A $730,000 house is what people think is dirt cheap. So anyway, we go to the open house, and so does the rest of the world. We see 6,000 people there, and um, this guy's going to want the price to be a million, million one, million two, whatever he can get for it, this fucking realtor. Anyway. You put in a bully offer. What you do is you can just go to the realtor and say, I tell you what, buddy, I give you 900000 for it right now. Because, so uh, I forgot I forgot the other part about uh, they price it too low and then they do this thing called holding back offers. So nobody is allowed to put in an offer until offer night, which in this case is Thursday. 
So Thursday at 4, you have to have your offer submitted. And then at 7, they do a presentation of the offers. And they let you know who the, quote, winner is. Or if the offers are close enough, they ask, does anyone want to do a second round of bidding? So you want to build a million five for this fucking two-bedroom house? And they hold back the offers. Driving up everybody's you know, competitive spirit. So you do a bully offer to circumvent that shit. You give them $900,000, thinking it's way above your $700,000 asking, but at least we don't have to get into a bid war with other people. And then the buyer, the sellers are thinking, what if this is the best offer we get? What if we reject this bully offer and that person doesn't offer again? And then offer day comes and we don't get any offers. Maybe we should just take this. So in, in, a, in a cooling market, a bully offer is a good idea. So that's what we think this market is, a bit of a cooling market. Because prices are coming down a little bit, thank Jesus Christ. So we were thinking about putting in that. We'll put in the bully offer, but this dick of a realtor, he said to our real, real estate agent, he was like, I'm not, no, I'm not entertaining bully offers at all. So this guy's crazy confident that they're going to get a huge amount of money. And he's probably right. Because most of Toronto hasn't cooled into the fact that interest rates are rising and the prices have to go down. So we're here, left with the decision, what do we do? Do we play this game of offer night and be chosen like one of the bachelorettes on The Bachelor? Oh, did he give me a rose? Thank you. you got to kiss someone's ass. And you're supposed to be grateful that you're giving somebody a million bucks for their piece of shit house that they haven't touched in 20 fucking years. And this inspection report, the inspection reports. Oh my God. So you get like, you go into these houses and there, someone has done an inspection report where they're pointing out all the things you need to fix. But the thing is, these guys, these inspectors, they only cost a couple hundred bucks and they're not liable for anything. So basically, they tell you what they think, but if they're wrong, it doesn't make a difference. They can't get sued. Nobody can get it. They're just like, look, I think there's no asbestos seeping out of that pipe and onto that child's head. That's what I think. But uh, who can be sure, right? Hey, there's a few tiles on the roof that need replacing. Maybe it's the whole roof and it's rotten to the core with mold. And there's a, a family of raccoons living up there who have rabies. But who's to know? I'm just the inspector. This is just what I do for a living. So you, you read this inspection report and we already have a bunch of shit we need to fix in the house. And uh, then we bring in our realtor to look at the house. Because me and my wife went to the open house by ourselves. We loved it. Love the house, despite what I've been saying. And we brought our realtor back so that she could see it. And then she starts pointing out all this other shit that's wrong with the place. And she's like, yeah, the inspector missed this, this, and this, that. None of the basement is up to code. That's what she said. None of the basement is up to code. So this inspector, who again, literally had doesn't have to say anything if he doesn't want. And he was hired by the realtor. So think about that. So the realtor hires the inspector to produce an inspection report. Now, sure, ethically, they're supposed to be unbiased. 
But if he wants that realtor to hire him for the next 600 houses that realtor is going to show, then he's going to want to give the realtor the inspection report that that guy's looking for, which is a nice inspection report that says very few things need to be done in this home. This home is pretty, pretty good to go. And that's what he did. He basically said, there's like $1,500 worth of work there. And we were like, really? Are you sure? A couple of tiles on the roof, that's all that needs to be done? And then our realtor came in and was like, no, no, this needs way more work than that. And she's not an inspector, but she's been a realtor for years. So uh, I kind of like her because she hates every house we go into. She's just, she's used to selling like really rich estates. So when she's looking at our million dollar homes, yes, million dollar homes, she is saying, oh, these, these are pieces of shit. And she's not wrong. It's just that that's what a million dollars gets you in Toronto, a piece of shit. So anyway, the realtor, yeah, so if he's hiring the inspector and the inspector's saying he's pretty good, what's worse than all of it is that upon our second visit, we saw the open house, me and the wife, with our son, and we ran through the house, and there's a billion other couples there because it was priced so goddamn low that everybody is there. It's like a fucking rock concert. So you don't have time to really go through the house with a fine-tooth comb. Now, upon our visit today, our second visit, we were punched in the face with what appeared to be a bucket of cat piss. We just... The smell. And we go down into this unfinished basement, which is completely unusable, because that's what you get for a million dollars in Toronto. And it just reeks of cat piss. And my wife's like, but I also smell chemicals. So I found a bunch of um, air fresheners like industrial strength air fresheners that they had spread around the basement. I'm like, yeah, your chemical smell is these chemicals trying to compete with the cat piss. And I start looking that up and you think that kind of sucks, but we'll get a cleaner to come in, maybe clean out some of the cat piss, you know, and get good to go. No cat piss. Apparently is, is the the most uh, strong substance known to man. It is, Diamonds and cat piss. They, apparently, it just, it penetrates the the foundation, the cement of the basement. Cement is very porous, I found out upon my Google reading. And uh, you have to spend weeks trying to, uh, to get the cat piss out with various different chemicals. And you still may never get it done. And they say, now if the cat piss is under the carpet and and into the wood if it's on hardwood floors or under it you're fucked you'll have to rip up your entire floor and replace it so you rip up your floor seal it not not get rid of the cat piss seal the smell in then put hardwood on top of it and if it's a basement you're going to have to chemicals all over the place then clean it for two weeks then seal that and i'm like ah for christ's sake so here's a house that we're finally thinking about putting a bid in on. And then we might not be able to buy it because of cat piss. And even then, even if we, even if there was no cat piss, you know, your house poor. What are you going to do? Guys, if there's anyone out there who can give me a little insight as to when the real estate prices are going to go down enough for me to get a house that doesn't smell like cat piss... Give me a shout. Love to hear from you. 
And uh, I got to tell you, I'm going to go upstairs right now and watch some baseball, agonize a little bit over the uh, termite inspection we've ordered. My wife is obsessed with termites. She thinks there are termites everywhere. She's checking her own hair for termites these days because that's all she's thinking about. We go into a house, she goes, ah, yeah, there's termites in here. I can, I can feel them. There they are. Literally today she pointed to a bunch of bird seed that was on the patio. She goes, do you think those are termites? Like, that's the biggest fucking termites I've ever seen, Sarah. But also, why is there bird food all over your patio? Clean up your goddamn plates. The, that's that's the, the arrogance, man. The arrogance of this market. Like, these people, they're so sure their house is going to sell for a million dollars that they're not even bothering to wipe up the bird seed. They're letting their cats piss all over the fucking house. There was spiders upstairs and cobwebs in every corner. The carpet that on the stairs hasn't been cleaned in 60 years. Just do, do a little sweeping. Dust. Dust a little bit. The bathtub needed to have re, be renameled. Re-enameled? Renameled? Jesus Christ. Oh, buying a house is so stressful, it makes me want to dent my car. Thanks so much for listening, everybody. I'll uh, check in with you again soon. Going to go up and watch some baseball playoffs. Guys, if you're not watching baseball playoffs, get on that shit. Two real good series happening right here. Real good series. Uh, This is Mark Bennett. I said shut up. Good night.